So thank you very much again uh, for, to everybody for being with us. We are coming into our next session. Uh, it is a highly interesting topic addressing the global logistics and uh, supply chain challenge. Uh, I would like to uh, welcome all the panelists for being with us and uh, I will turn the floor over to Jan-Olaf Probst of uh, DNVGL, who is our partner for the conference and moderator for the session who will introduce the panelists. Thank you to everybody for being with us. Hello to everyone, wherever you are located, Asia, Europe, or already quite early in the US. Uh, it is our pleasure that we have a, a topic called addressing the global logistic and supply chain challenge. And we have three persons in our panel, and I would like to introduce this one. We have Mr. Mark Frese, he is a CFO of Hapagloid. Uh, further is attending Mr. Otto Schach, Executive Vice President, Sea Logistic at Kühne und Nagel, and Mr. Christian Kopmann, Managing Director of PWL Group, and he is the President of the German Ship Brothers Association. So I think we have everyone on, on, on this kind of ground to exchange about this kind of topic and would we'll start maybe with something uh, in, in a kind of way um, how to decide the key parameter to transportation of sea, rail, or air, or road transportation, even knowing, of course, that there is by a door-to-door -door service already always a combination of all. But how to decide which is the best, uh, or which, which kind of transport mode will take the largest portion? So maybe we'll start with the liner company, uh, Mr. Fraser, do you would like to start? Uh, yes, absolutely. Thank you very much, uh, Jan Olaf, for introducing us and having us here today. Um, yes, quite an interesting question. And for sure, uh, we normally look at that from a really customer-oriented point of view. So finding out what is the best solution for our customer needs. And for sure, it's decided on, on the priorities of our customers in terms of uh, timing, cost, uh, for sure, also quality and safety. So all the requirements, the service requirements customers have will be the de denominators for these decisions. And we know that today, around about 90% of products are running through a container and through a ship. So therefore, for sure, dominant uh, in that in global trade is, is shipping. And on the basis of customers, uh, we really do that. So as you said, more or less, it's always a combination, strongly focused from our point of view on, on sea trade, for sure. And if we would hand over uh, maybe to Cargo for Friday, uh, do you have any preference uh, which kind of mode of transportation is more preferred uh, in regard of time or cost? Or uh, which are the main driver, time or cost? I would say when, when you have the um, difference, when you look at the difference between air freight and sea freight, it's the first driver is the time because air freight is so much more expensive than sea freight uh, and the customer knows there is but uh, it's a time which is driving this so uh, as we are also a very big provider for, for air freight 
uh, me being personally responsible for sea freight. And when we discuss this, we see when you, for instance, customers in the automotive industry or pharma or high tech industry, there are certain products which have moved from Asia into North America or Asia into Europe within four or five days and that the vessel can never do. So that's the, and it's all, then it's all about time. But what we are seeing now a trend, of course, there's a third factor, which is the environmental part coming into it. So people are looking into it and said, what's the most sustainable mode of transport? And then all of a sudden, sea freight, which is much more sustainable compared to air freight, it comes into a play. And then you have something in the middle, like taking the Asia-Europe lane, for instance, Asia-Europe, you can also go by rail. And then it's a mixture of time and price because rail is much faster than ocean freight, but quite a bit more expensive also, but less expensive than air freight. So it fits in between. So it's there you have this combination of price and time. Yes. Well, well, and if I may add, obviously the nature of the cargo itself is also a very important denominator because uh, Obviously, uh, bulk or very heavy duties and so on simply cannot be transported by air or by rail. It simply doesn't doesn't make sense or is simply not possible. So the, the, the if you see the total freight, we are always talking about the containers here and so on. But if you if you take bulk cargoes or any kind of liquids or whatever, which is this, the majority of the cargo is still being routed, then obviously uh, the question is answered very simply because it cannot be transported in anything else. So. If you see so many questions, we also get this here and say, why should we move from, from this and that? And I get it even from friends that are not so much in shipping. Isn't the rail uh, getting getting much higher? So yes, it will continue to grow, but it can never sus uh, sustain the, the uh, or it can only be complementary to ship transport and nothing else. Yeah, I, I like this kind of combination about value and time. So I was a little bit smiling if I would be a student. Uh, for me, uh, traveling maybe a longer distance by air, I would look for the cheapest price. I think if somebody would like to send you from Europe outside, they will use for the shortest flight distance to keep your business time more uh, available. That means uh, there you could see definitely the deviation between cost and, 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 and time. But uh, the topic green was already a little bit touched. And there would be the question, will the consumer influence green transportation and to make it really even a little bit tangible? Uh, some persons looking really for green transportation, but if they're looking about their mobile phone, which is transported by air, uh, then they ignore everything uh, because then they are thinking, oh, this is okay by air, but the other one should go maybe the greenest one. What is your opinion? Uh, maybe uh, we want to start by Otto Schacht. I mean, the I believe we are, we are getting into a stage where the consumer starts to, for the first time, to, to look into this. And why? Because we are, we are creating transparency. Uh, and I take the example you just mentioned, uh, the, the mobile phones, which very often are air freighted. The consumer does not know today uh, how much CO2 per mobile phone uh, was uh, produced from uh, flying it from, from Shanghai to, to, to Frankfurt and then being trucked to, to Hamburg or Berlin or Amsterdam or whatever. And uh, so we have to create as an industry transparency in this. And once you create this transparency and you see the differences, then you can start to influence the consumer. 
That's what we are we are doing. So we, we and even in in our industry in the in the sea freight industry, we're working closely with carriers, creating transparency when it comes to CO two emissions between certain vessels because larger vessels, smaller vessels, newer vessels, older vessels, there's already a big difference. Huh? And then when you invest into LNG, it has even less CO two. And when you start to market this to the final company, to the company who's selling to the final consumer. Then you will see that, and slowly, but then the consumer will take an influence on it and uh, will prefer certain products uh, over other products. Uh, going over to Mr. Fede, do you see any, any requests from, from uh, cargo owners that say coming to you and say, okay, we would like to see a transparent and, and even this kind of door-to-door -door service and uh, that you are judging which one is a total chain What is the most greenest way? Um, yes, absolutely. We are we are uh, seeing that. So, as the the end consumer is a quite powerful animal, and uh, for sure he's asking for that. And because the trend is there, the trend is clearly there that uh, consumers looking at that, and they are putting also some pressure on global brands like IKEA and and further on maybe also on Apple and uh, asking for that. And because these guys, these big brands for sure, uh, smelling the, uh, the weak signals of their customers and understanding what the trend is. So they are looking at that and they are trying to transport uh, that the whole supply chain is the greenest you can get uh, for today. So therefore the pressure from our big customers for sure is there, they are asking for that, which gives also a positive because you can differentiate, you can deliver quality on that. And when you invest, you can uh, cl have a close relationship to these, to these big, big customers. So therefore, absolutely, we are seeing that trend. We are coping with that. And it's more to come. That's also from my po point of view, very clear. We are at the beginning and uh, even not in the middle of that. So push will be even stronger. And I think what uh, Otto Schacht just said is very important. Transparency today is not really there. So knowledge about what is green and what is not green is not there. And it's very difficult to get. Maybe we sometimes in some area don't know uh, what the real end question and the end answer for that is. So therefore more to come and transparency is needed uh, to support decision of our customers and of the end consumer. The only, I can only but agree. The only question I'm asking myself is how much is the consumer able and willing to pay a higher price for that? Because uh, uh, that to have new vessels with LNG technology, for instance, or other measures do bear a cost. And this cost somehow is in the end also reflected by the end consumer's price. And if I, for instance, talk to my daughter who likes a vegan nutrition and she's uh, taking her quinoa and uh, all of a sudden she realizes the quinoa is coming from Peru. And then I tell her when it comes from Peru, it doesn't fly. Well, hopefully it doesn't fly here. It comes per vessel and then CO2 is uh, combined with it. Then there's a, yeah, there she realizes, should I still uh, eat the quinoa from Peru? But and because there's a price to it, not only in, in, in carbon dioxide, but also It is more costly, obviously, than, than, than other things that you could also uh, eat. 
And this is a, interesting within next generation. It's not so much our generation now. I would rather see this as, as the next consumer generation that is very much into this. Uh, but without any doubt, I mean, we see Fridays for Future development and that is getting stronger overall and the conscience about this is getting stronger. So definitely the trend will go on, but it has a cost and transportation will not be cheaper uh, being uh, more greener. And Christian, that is, that is directing into a very, very important question. Is global trade sustainable and is it maybe even needed to develop countries and help them becoming greener? Uh, so therefore, and I think uh, Otto Schacht might comment on that, that is a very important question. Um, what is global trade doing for sustainable developments overall, globally? Uh, if, I, if, I, if I may add, Jan Olaf, quickly to what, what Christian was saying, and then I, uh, first of all, uh, we, we are starting to sell greener solutions now to, to our customers. So we, we are... The carriers uh, are offering, uh, the first carriers are offering biofuel and uh, biofuel is uh, so second grade biofuel, uh, which is about two to $300 per ton more expensive. So per container, there is a higher price. But if you break this down to, and I always take the example of, if you move wine from Chile uh, in a container, 12,000 bottles of wine, uh, in a 41st container to, to let's say Hamburg or to, to New York and uh, you have to pay two three hundred dollars more you talk cents per bottle of wine to move a product carbon neutral uh, so ocean transportation is anyway so, re so relatively cheap especially when it comes to the container and you increase that price now by two three hundred dollars because you, you have a biofuel or you have tomorrow uh, a new engine and a new uh, uh, ammoniac, etc. I will. I believe it has hardly an influence on, on the end price. Uh, it might have only a very little. And the the customer will, if he sees in, in in the store a product which is carbon neutral, transport supply chain was carbon neutral, and the other is non carbon neutral. There, I see the customer, the consumer, in the end will start to move towards a carbon neutral product. Even yeah, Christian. The next, especially the next generation, even <laughs> yeah, if it's definitely. then, uh, if the price would be double, no. But the good thing is, ocean transportation is so cheap, it will not have a real influence on it. Uh, and, uh, I, I agree. And Mark, what you just said, I think this is also so important: uh, helping countries uh, getting their standard of living up. And we, a lot of people, uh, always debate. Should we transport so much stuff around the world because it produces CO2? If we do not help African countries to sell their products in Europe, we will not help them to increase their standards of living, to get into further education, etc. So the only way to help these countries is having global trade. And as I said, the moving pineapples from West Africa into Europe, the CO2, and eventually there will be no more CO2 once shipping will become carbon neutral, uh, then we can even import more products from, from for instance, Africa into Europe which, or into the rest of the world. Which is also strongly supporting sustainable development. Uh, so I think that is that is so much needed. And I think we, we maybe even have to, to differentiate a little bit. So the question of being more carbon neutral and looking for carbon neutral products. Um, so population is growing. Poverty is growing, so therefore thinking that 
volumes are going down, global trade is going down, is not really realistic. So therefore, it's important that we lead the pack and we have even a responsibility as a country, as Western country, developed countries, but also as, as players in the market to support that and maybe even to lead the pack uh, to change overall approaches to the industries. Absolutely. Oh, I, 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 I like, and, and maybe give, before becoming, in, in, in cover what you were saying to another question, I think one key element, what you were saying, and I think that should be not underestimated, even be transporting in large volume to transport this in a green way will not dramatically influence the price in transportation. And I think that is a key message maybe we could take out of this, of this round. Greener shipping will not triple the price. It's, it's a really small portion only, and it's possible. So, and, and, and we, you were touching about this kind of worldwide job sharing aspects. And we have here seen in the news that some governments was talking that due to the COVID-19 pandemic, maybe uh, this kind of principle of job sharing will be maybe changed. Therefore, it's a question of if trading lanes or transportation of goods will be modified, or even that we will give another twist in this kind of question to you. Is there maybe after this kind of pandemic a reason for some companies to take out, for example, some production out of China and transferring to other countries like Vietnam or Africa and so on, so that they are distributing their production areas and, and having therefore different trading lanes? Uh, do you see maybe due to this kind of pandemic a move in different places? Who would like to start? Uh, I think maybe just, just as, as a first uh, introduction, but I think uh, Otto Schacht can, and then you, Mark, you can answer more in detail. But we have seen that shift already. I mean, if you see China is still the biggest production area, but uh, for many of good reasons, not really related to COVID, uh, there has been uh, quite a shift to, to uh, Vietnam, for instance, and other areas, because the standard of living has gone up in, in, in China. The cost of production has gone up, the pure cost, and uh, uh, the wages have, have, uh, have gone up. So that was, I think, one of the key elements why already a certain portion of production, lower end production eventually, has moved to other areas. And we also see in here, and I think Otto, you know that better, that India, for instance, is trying to, to be a, a to cover up what, what is being being done in, in China. But I think what it lies, so that is a shift within Asia, and Asia is anyhow the biggest market and growing market. When it comes to the question of nearshoring, which is a little bit lurking behind your, your, your question, will production go back from China to, I don't know, to Europe, Bulgaria in a large scale or, or here or into the United States? There I am much more doubtful because certain uh, logics have become so, yeah, yeah, worked out so nicely. We have seen certain incidents where key elements that only the one uh, um, antibiotics uh, producers only based in China, we cannot have this. So for security reasons, there might be some industries that think about it uh, to, to, to differentiate and not concentrate only on one country, but maybe not on the large scale. And that I do not think this will really influence transportation on a large scale. No, if, 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 I, if I can add to what Christian just said, uh, they, I think this pandemic has proven again to some companies, especially after the first lockdown in China, 
that some of their products uh, which they produced, they were too dependent on only China, uh, not only antibiotics, and that's well, from a governmental point of view, but also uh, some consumer uh, companies. And so we, we saw, we are seeing a trend that uh, India is also, besides Vietnam and Indonesia, but uh, some companies are starting to focus also now in India. So not sourcing 90% uh, China, but perhaps 60% China and 20, 30% in future from India. So that for instance, Indian trades will definitely grow. Uh, we have seen it with uh, textiles. Uh, a lot of the textiles have moved into North Africa and uh, in, into Turkey. Uh, so that's a kind of uh, nearshoring, uh, being a little closer to the market. Uh, so also there, that's again a time uh, subject uh, because uh, moving something from Morocco into England or into Germany is much faster than from China. So, but overall, Global trade from a pure volume perspective will not be affected because the more people we have, people will consume, so it will be moved somehow. And uh, even North Africa uh, or Egypt or Turkey will be in 90% of the cases moved by ocean. So, yes, perhaps it's not on the long haul vessel, it's more on a, on a smaller, uh, uh, mid sized vessel in the intra European trade. Uh. Maybe. The question would be of quite related because in this moment, uh, um, if you're looking about, for example, two big train lanes, that we have the Asia-Europe lane and the Asia over the Pacific, and there a lot of cargo is coming out, out of China, and then it's a question if maybe some rerouting of vessels are needed, maybe uh, if I allow me to address this in addition and ask uh, Mr. Fraser, do you want to see that maybe you will then adjust your trading, um, different countries which you are calling and, and maybe open some other lanes? Um, yes, maybe also uh, Jan Olaf building on what Christian and Otto just said, maybe one other aspect, and that was even before the COVID crisis, we saw some, some shifts due to uh, trade restrictions or the conflict between US and, and China, so some movements to Vietnam. We have seen that already and for sure we have to adopt and to adapt to that. We do that and, and sometimes it will even, or we have to a little bit restructure our network uh, to cope with that and to support our, our customers in, in what they are doing. So. Therefore, adding to that, yes, we will see maybe a little bit of fragmentation uh, on the supplier side, what means that uh, changes will occur. It will not be, from our point of view, on big scale uh, for sometimes for critical products, uh, for sure. We might see some more, over a couple of years, some more trends to higher stock levels that will have an effect on, on logistical structures to be more on the safe side, to put it mildly or easy. That's something what we see. And we, as, as a container, container liner, we have to cope with that. And we will, for sure, adopt our network, if necessary, to that, to offer what is needed for our, for our customers that they can serve their supply supply chain. So that's what we do, supporting the supply chain of our customers. So we go where the cargo is, let's put it that way. And therefore, yes, we will adopt the big lanes uh, as we addressed it and you addressed it, uh, Far East uh, trade lanes, China to, to West, uh, 
West Coast America, uh, for sure, Asia to Europe, they will be the, the big part of the total network that will stay for, for a very long period, for sure. If I may, I just saw in the chat one question, uh, how technological development could impact future trade flow, i.e. 3D printing and automatic robotic, robotics, and will it help in nearshoring? I mean, that is, that, that could be interesting. How's your experience already on that? I, I wouldn't say it's not, not, it doesn't have too big of an influence at this stage, but is there, is there another future? I'm not so sure about that. Otto, how do you see that? I mean, when this 3D printing came up, uh, our owner, Mr. Kühne, asked us, what effect will this have on global trade? And then I looked at our top thousand customers uh, in ocean freight, uh, sea freight, and which of these products you could put into a 3D printer. And there were very few customers in there which, you, which produced something which you could put into a 3D printer because producing a sofa, producing garden furniture, uh, producing rattan furniture from Indonesia. Uh, there are not that many products which we move in big volumes together with shipping lines, which you put high scale into a, a 3D printer. Huh? If there are certain specific schools for the automotive industry, uh, specialized, uh, that of course, but from a pure volume perspective, it will have hardly an influence on global container trade. I would also see that, so. Yeah, support that. Yeah. So we, we were talking about uh, where the volume is, is moving and, and, and one main aspect is a lot of us saying 90% of cargo is uh, transported by ships and we was of saying it's a combination of door-to-door uh, -door service quite often will start by road then maybe in between rail and then the ship is coming and, and when you're arriving, you go back maybe on truck or rail. Uh, and there's a big question and we do not want to look on a specific country. We want to take it in, in a general view. Are governments putting a high priority in port infrastructure, hinterland infrastructure? And uh, for example, in offering uh, a good service that you have not to wait in front of the port that the cargo who is arriving on the terminal have a really fast declaration by tax officer and then will be moving in the hinterland infrastructure. Uh, are port infrastructure get maybe the same attention from governments like rail road construction? Uh, is that uh, the case or do we see something uh, different? And then in combination of the volume, of course, no? Who would like to start? And maybe we will start here. Uh, German Shipbroker Association. Maybe there. Uh, yeah. Well, I can. There's, there's a obviously a bit of a political stance, and uh, but nonetheless, I mean, if I if I see Germany, and this is what I only have a view at this moment, in comparison to what is happening and our German uh, neighbor countries, from, especially in, in Netherlands and Belgium. Then my answer is clear, no, we do not. From uh, My feeling is that the German government is not investing in comparison to road investments, for instance, that, that was your question, is not investing enough uh, to, to, uh, to, to remain competitive. And if you see that the, the focus that these smaller countries, Netherlands and Belgium, bring on their port infrastructure uh, development and also uh, uh, railroad, et cetera, development, 
then I'm, I'm a bit worried what, what is happening here in comparison. We don't have to, to mention too much how long it took to the deepening of the river. There are many aspects to that, um, but I would uh, see looking at, at how important the shipment via sea remains also from the point of environmental, uh, from the environmental point of view, much more could and should be done in that respect. And uh, the problem, however, in Germany is a bigger part of the population is not at the sea coast. They, they do not really care whether it's coming from Germany or from Rotterdam or from, from wherever when you look. And there's no, the, uh, the political awareness is not strong enough. Whereas in a country like Netherlands, the political awareness of Rotterdam as the main port for the whole country, the main, main uh, industrial region for the whole country is quite different. So that really makes a difference whether a sea transportation or an area is in the focus of the political leaders or not. And I'm afraid it, it is not strong enough here in our country. Yeah, I, I couldn't support more, uh, Christian, uh, as you might uh, anticipate already. So absolutely, I couldn't support more. For sure, it needs always a very good balance. So because if the cargo is reaching the port, it needs to go. So therefore, a good balance between uh, port uh, developments and uh, hinterland is important. Uh, I think a stronger focus on that uh, would be very, very, very important because infrastructure is so very much needed to support other developments. So therefore, absolutely, and it needs focus for a, a country like Germany. Okay, we are, we are uh, look at uh, not here in, in, in Europe so much, uh, but now actually not so true what I'm saying and in, in look at the UK, uh, the UK port infrastructure is a big issue right now. There are every week container vessels and Mark can con confirm that probably uh, in front of Felix Southampton waiting. We see it most extreme in, in the US now and on the US West Coast. Uh, we, we have uh, in Los Angeles, Long Beach, every week, every day, between 15 and 25 big container vessels waiting up to five, six, seven days, carriers just told us. Imagine there are 15 big container vessels in front of LA waiting seven days and uh, before they get the bursting space. And that is an infrastructural issue, uh, uh, costing money, um, not good for the environment, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, Governments, ports have to do far more in this respect. Yeah, yeah. Port congestions. Uh, yeah, we are paying the tribute now. Uh, right now, uh, the actual situation is showing that. So port congestions in the UK and the US are dramatic right now. Uh, sometimes up to two weeks, vessels uh, uh, are waiting. So therefore, more focus on that would be absolutely helpful. That's uh, pretty clear. And there we have a really nice question in the chat room. There was a question if uh, sea transportation is so much greener, how to bring air cargo over to a ship and if faster ships, uh, there was a mention of 40 knots, uh, in, in the, but don't, don't nail it on 40 knots, but there is here quite often the question if maybe on certain uh, trades, much faster ships could I would say steal cargo from the air uh, to a greener shipping. And that was, uh, therefore this kind of question uh, is really good connected to your statements that there's a waiting time, then you would lose, of course, uh, why running 30 knots or 40 knots if you then wait a day in front of the port. Exactly. 
Exactly. I think that that answers this answers is, is a good answer already you gave in, in the question. There had been many years ago, there had been fast sailings, much faster vessels that went up, if I recall it correctly, end, end of the 90s, about 25 knots or almost, uh, at least they tried to reach that. And uh, it was not sustainable because at least at that time, the engines were absolutely not, I mean, the, the, the burning factor of, of fuel is, is going, going up uh, dramatically yeah. if you go over a certain speed. And um, that is, 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 is a ruining factor. And that's why this concept has never really been, been followed up again. But again, this is one part of the story. I'm sure the ship owner's side uh, also can comment on that. Yeah. 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 Okay, please. Maybe one, one point uh, adding to that. Um, if we would get out the inefficiency in the whole supply chains, so to say, and in maybe also our own processes uh, because infrastructure is there, I think that would uh, pay off quite strongly and would speed up quite strongly. So that would be something, get out the inefficiencies and we have the question on technology and I think it was a little bit uh, a side question on 3D printing, but uh, if you look at the global supply chain logistics and transport industry, uh, blockchain could, could help a lot using that technology everywhere where a lot of players, a lot of information, a lot of documents, a lot of contracts are shared. It would help a lot if everybody would have a transparent view over the blockchain technology to, to optimize and, and get efficiency into that. So therefore there's more to come because before we have to speed, out, uh, speed up the ships, as Christian said, um, yeah, consumption, fuel consumption is going up dramatically if you, you speed up strongly. I think that we, we, have, we have seen the question to the other both, you touched it already, uh, uh, about any idea of new technologies or improvements in the total global logistic, what you was just mentioned, uh, blockchain. Uh, maybe if you, uh, Mr. Chef, could, would like to add exactly to this point? Yeah, I, I come to your question in a sec. I would uh, quickly what uh, Marfredo was uh, uh, re referring to. I, be, I believe that we uh, have to look more into the green aspect of this whole transportation chain. Uh -huh. And th this will for sure come. And when you look at the speed of vessels, and we have seen uh, what Christian was referring to many, many years ago, we thought everybody, we go with much faster vessels. But then the carriers did a smart move. They started to talk to shippers and said, what is more important, speediness or reliability? Because most companies have an inventory of about 90 days, 90 to 120 days. So if the transport is 30 days, you can manage uh, even if you have a little longer transit time, uh, you could still reduce your inventory. But why do a lot of large shippers in the world have inventory? Because they do not trust the supply chain. Right. Uh, so they build up inventory in the warehouses. We are seeing it now again. Nobody trusts the supply chain. Vessels are late, vessels are waiting, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not the speed actually. You could, when uh, we told carriers, you can actually reduce and the, when the slow steaming started, and carriers went from 22, 23 knots down to 18, and then two, three day longer transit time. We said, if it's more reliable, it's good. We don't care the, if the transit time is. And then automatically it becomes even greener because if you have 
if you go three, four, five knots uh, slower, then of course fuel consumption goes down and then CO2 emission comes down. So we should not forget that. So I think that's a very important aspect. I think that that is the word of 2020, and will keep for 2021 as well. Uh, that persons like me forget it. Uh, as the time we are on the end, do you, Mr. Hoffman, not like to add to this both one something before we are mapping up? No. Uh, there was one question which maybe we could still put in uh, because it was mentioned a little bit uh, twice. Um, and, and I think in the question was raised green shipping and I, uh, 3D printing. There was also the three parts, uh, 3D printing, CO2 in the questions. And uh, there was one question and was even related to green about how much really in percentage uh, is, is if you're using, for example, biofuel, uh, is enlarging this one. I think it's a quite difficult question to make it in percentage. But if you're making one short round about uh, in green shipping, considering 3D printing, CO2 reduction, and really price involving, because that was insight in the questions I have seen in the Q&A. If I, perhaps I start quickly, yeah, I, I would say, first of all, the good news is we are, we are having here a discussion and uh, for 40 minutes and we talk probably 25, 20 to 25 minutes about green solutions. Five years ago in such a forum, nobody would have talked about that. So that's already the good news. So it's, right. things are happening that's positive. Carriers, in our point of view, and we are cooperating with them very closely on this subject, are doing a lot in this respect. We have to create, like I said in the beginning, we have to create the transparency, and that's now happening. We are doing this very much. Uh, we, in our company, we have now on every CFRED invoice, we show the CO2 emission for their transport. So that's the first step that people understand what are we really talking about. And so uh, by this, then we can, and then people eventually will also pay for this, then carriers can make investments. And uh, the carriers are doing this, Habergloid now, LNG, Merck decided now to have in three years the first carbon neutral vessel. And uh, so that's a positive thing. So there are a lot of positive things happening. My criticism towards the whole industry is we are not making this visible, transparent enough in general. Shipping overall is a relatively green mode of transport compared to others but we are not talking enough about it. And that's also happening now. Okay. I think we time, Mr. Fraser. Uh, last comment to this one, and then we need to close the round. <laughs> yeah, no, no, just just uh, supporting what, what Otto was saying. Absolutely, I think we have to talk about it. We are doing a lot, and we want to do a lot, and we have to do a lot. We have to invest into that. The decision, uh, as just mentioned, the decision to invest into LNG propulsed ships uh, is something which will reduce CO2 footprints by more than 30% for these ships. So there, and that is something because we, the emission uh, still is high compared to the, the ton we are, we are transporting, it's low. But overall, it's really something which means, which means something. So therefore, investing into that is important. And we will foster that and do even more. Thanks for that. Uh, I would like then to close the panel with this one. It was a nice 
both a final remark, especially about that we, how much when we're talking about challenge uh, in this kind of supply chain that we talked 20 minutes about how to improve to make it greener. Uh, I think this is a nice conclusion what has been done from your side. So Nicolas, then I would hand over to you and I must say thank you to all three for this wonderful panel. Well, I would like to thank you all. It's been a great panel. Thank you to all for joining us and making it so interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.